Section fifty one of Young Folks Treasury, Volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Young Folks Treasury, Volume two. Edited by Hamilton Wright Maybe. A Hero of France, Section fifty one. Roland parts one through three adapted by h e marshall part one Blankendrin's mission for seven long years the great emperor charlemagne had been fighting in spain against the saracens saragossa alone remained unconquered but word had gone forth that it too was doomed king marsil not knowing how to save his city from the conqueror called a council of his wise men blancandrin a knight of great valour was chosen with ten others to set out with olive branches in their hands followed by a great train of slaves bearing presents to seek the court of the great christian king and sue for peace bending low before charlemagne blancandrin promised for king marsil vassalage to the emperor and baptism in the name of the holy christ to assure the truth of his words he said we will give three hostages i will even send my own son if we keep not faith with thee in the morning charlemagne called his wise men and told them the message of blancandrin then roland one of the twelve chosen knights and the nephew of charlemagne rose flushed with anger and cried believe not this marsil he was ever a traitor carry the war to saragossa war i say war ganelon a knight who hated roland strode to the foot of the throne saying listen not to the council of fools but accept king marsil's gifts and promises following the council of duke names the wisest of the court charlemagne declared that someone should be sent to king marsil and asked the lords whom he should send send me cried roland nay said oliver let me go rather but the emperor said not a step shall ye go either one or other of you ah said roland if i may not go then send ganelon my stepfather good replied the great emperor ganelon it shall be ganelon trembled with passion and said this is roland's work for he knew he would never return alive to his wife and child the quarrel between roland and ganelon was bitter indeed i hate thee ganelon hissed at last i hate thee then struggling to be calm he turned to the emperor and said i am ready to do thy will fair sir ganelon said charlemagne this is my message to the heathen king marsil say to him that he shall bend the knee to gentle christ and be baptized in his name then will i give him full half of spain to hold in fief over the other half count roland my nephew well beloved shall reign without a word of farewell ganelon went to his own house there he clad himself in his finest armour commending his wife and child to the care of the knights who pressed round to bid him godspeed ganelon with bent head turned slowly from their sight and rode to join the heathen blancandrin part two ganelon's treason 
as ganelon and blancandrin rode along together beneath the olive trees and through the fruitful vineyards of sunny spain the heathen began to talk cunningly what a wonderful knight is thy emperor he said he hath conquered the world from sea to sea but why cometh he within our borders why left he us not in peace it was his will replied ganelon there is no man in all the world so great as he none may stand against him you franks are gallant men indeed said blancandrin but your dukes and counts deserve blame when they counsel the emperor to fight with us now there is none deserveth that blame save roland said ganelon such pride as his ought to be punished oh that someone would slay him he cried fiercely then should we have peace this roland is very cruel said blancandrin to wish to conquer all the world as he does but in whom does he trust for help in the franks said ganelon they love him with such a great love that they think he can do no wrong he giveth them gold and silver jewels and armour so they serve him even to the emperor himself he maketh rich presents he will not rest until he hath conquered all the world from east to west the saracen looked at ganelon out of the corner of his eye he was a noble knight but now that his face was dark with wrath and jealousy he looked like a felon listen thou to me said blancandrin softly dost wish to be avenged upon roland then by mahomet deliver him into our hands king marsil is very generous for such a kindness he will willingly give unto thee of his countless treasure Ganelon heard the tempter's voice, but he rode onward as if unheeding. His chin sunken upon his breast, his eyes dark with hatred. But long ere the ride was ended and Saragossa reached, the heathen lord and Christian knight had plotted together for the ruin of Roland. At length the journey was over, and Ganelon lighted down before King Marsil, who awaited him beneath the shadow of his orchard trees seated upon a marble throne covered with rich silken rugs around him crowded his nobles silent and eager to learn how blancandrin had fared upon his errand bowing low blancandrin approached the throne leading ganelon by the hand greeting he said in the name of mahomet well o marsil have i done thy behest to the mighty christian king but save that he raised his hands to heaven and gave thanks to his god no answer did he render to me but unto thee he sendeth one of his nobles a very powerful man in france from him shalt thou learn if thou shalt have peace or war let him speak said king marsil we will listen greeting said ganelon in the name of god the god of glory whom we ought all to adore listen ye to the command of charlemagne thou o king shalt receive the christian faith then half of spain will he leave to thee to hold in fief the other half shall be given to count roland a haughty companion thou wilt have there if thou wilt not agree to this charlemagne will besiege saragossa and thou shalt be led captive to a there to die a vile and shameful death king marsil shook with anger and turned pale in his hand he held an arrow fledged with gold now springing from his throne he raised his arm as if he would strike ganelon 
but the knight laid his hand upon his sword and drew it half out of the scabbard sword he cried thou art bright and beautiful oft have i carried thee at the court of my king it shall never be said of me that i died alone in a foreign land amongst fierce foes ere thou wert dipped in the blood of their bravest and best for a few moments the heathen king and the christian knight eyed each other in deep silence then the air was filled with shouts part them part them cried the saracens the noblest of the saracens rushed between their king and ganelon it was a foolish trick to raise thy hand against the christian knight said marsil's caliph seating him once more upon his throne twere well to listen to what he hath to say sir said ganelon proudly thinkest thou for all the threats in the wide world i will be silent and not speak the message which the mighty charlemagne sendeth to his mortal enemy nay i would speak if ye were all against me and keeping his right hand still upon the golden pommel of his sword with his left he unclasped his cloak of fur and silk and cast it upon the steps of the throne there in his strength and splendour he stood defying them all tis a noble knight cried the heathen in admiration then once more turning to king marsil ganelon gave him the emperor's letter as he broke the seal and read marsil's brow grew black with anger listen my lords he cried because i slew yonder insolent christian knights the emperor charlemagne bids me beware his wrath he commands that i shall send unto him as hostage mine uncle the caliph this is some madness of ganelon cried a heathen knight he is only worthy of death give him unto me and i will see that justice is done upon him so saying he laid his hand upon his sword like a flash of lightning ganelon's good blade mergles sprang from its sheath and with his back against a tree the christian knight prepared to defend himself to the last but once again the fight was stopped and this time blancandrin led ganelon away then walking alone with the king blancandrin told of all that he had done and of how even upon the way hither ganelon had promised to betray roland who was Charlemagne's greatest warrior. And if he die, said Blancandrin, then is our peace sure. Bring hither the Christian knight to me, cried King Marsil. So Blancandrin went, and once more leading Ganelon by the hand, brought him before the king. Fair Sir Ganelon, said the wily heathen, I did a rash and foolish thing when in anger I raised my hand to strike at thee. As a token that thou wilt forget it, Accept this cloak of sable it is worth five hundred pieces of gold and lifting a rich cloak he clasped it about the neck of ganelon i may not refuse it said the knight looking down may heaven reward thee trust me sir ganelon said king marsil i love thee well but keep thou our counsel secret i would hear thee talk of charlemagne he is very old is he not more than two hundred years old he must be worn out and weary for he hath fought so many battles and humbled so many kings in the dust he ought to rest now from his labours in his city of a ganelon shook his head nay he said such is not charlemagne all those who have seen him know that our emperor is a true warrior i know not how to praise him enough before you for there is nowhere a man so full of valour and of goodness 
I would rather die than leave his service. In truth, said Marsil, I marvel greatly. I had thought that Charlemagne had been old and worn. Then if it is not so, when will he cease his wars? Ah, said Ganelon, that he will never do so long as his nephew Roland lives. Under the arch of heaven there bides no baron so splendid or so proud. Oliver, his friend, also is full of prowess and of valour. With them and his peers beside him, Charlemagne feareth no man. Fair Sir Ganelon, said King Marsil boldly, knowing his hatred, tell me, how shall I slay Roland? That I can tell ye, said Ganelon. Promise thou the emperor all that he asketh of thee. Send hostages and presents to him. He will then return to France. His army will pass through the valley of Roncesvalles. I will see to it that Roland and his friend Oliver lead the rearguard. They will lag behind the rest of the army. Then there shalt thou fall upon them with all thy mighty men. I say not but that thou shalt lose many a knight, for Roland and his peers will fight right manfully. But in the end, being so many more than they, thou shalt conquer. Roland shall lie dead, and slaying him, thou wilt cut off the right arm of Charlemagne. Then farewell to the wondrous army of France. Never again shall Charlemagne gather such a company, and within the borders of Spain there shall be peace for evermore. When Ganelon had finished speaking, the king threw his arms about his neck and kissed him. Then, turning to his slaves, he commanded them to bring great treasure of gold and silver and precious stones and lay it at the feet of the knight. But swear to me, said Marsil, that Roland shall be in the rear guard, and swear to me his death. And Ganelon, laying his hand upon his sword Mergles, swore by the holy relics therein that he would bring Roland to death. Then came a heathen knight who gave to Ganelon a sword, the hilt of which glittered with gems, so that the eyes were dazzled in looking upon it. Let but Roland be in the rear guard, he said, and it is thine. Then he kissed Ganelon on both cheeks. Soon another heathen knight followed him, laughing joyfully. Here is my helmet, he cried. It is the richest and best ever beaten out of steel. It is thine, so that thou truly bring Roland to death and shame. And he too kissed Ganelon. Next came Bramimond, Marsil's queen. She was very beautiful. Her dark hair was strung with pearls, and her robes of silk and gold swept the ground. Her hands were full of glittering gems. Bracelets and necklaces of gold, rubies and sapphires fell from her white fingers. Take these, she said, to thy fair lady. Tell her that Queen Bramimond sends them to her because of the great service thou hast done. And bowing low, she poured the sparkling jewels into Ganelon's hands. Thus did the heathen reward Ganelon for his treachery. Ho there, called King Marsil to his treasurer. Are my gifts for the emperor ready? Yea, sire, answered the treasurer. Seven hundred camels' loads of silver and gold, and twenty hostages, the noblest of the land, all are ready. Then King Marsil leant his hand on Ganelon's shoulder. Wise art thou, and brave, he said, but in the name of all thou holdest sacred, forget not thy promise unto me. 
see i give thee ten mules laden with richest treasure and every year i will send to thee as much again now take the keys of my city gates take the treasure and the hostages made ready for thine emperor give them all to him tell him that i yield to him all that he asks but forget not thy promise that roland shall ride in the rear guard impatient to be gone ganelon shook the king's hand from his shoulder let me tarry no longer he cried then springing to horse he rode swiftly away meanwhile charlemagne lay encamped awaiting marsil's answer and as one morning he sat beside his tent with his lords and mighty men around him a great cavalcade appeared in the distance and presently ganelon the traitor drew rein before him softly and smoothly he began his treacherous tale god keep you he cried here i bring the keys of saragossa with treasure rich and rare seven hundred camels load of silver and gold and twenty hostages of the noblest of the heathen host and king marsil bids me to say thou shalt not blame him that his uncle the caliph comes not to for he is dead i myself saw him as he set forth with three hundred thousand armed men upon the sea their vessel sank ere they had gone far from the land and he and they were swallowed in the waves thus ganelon told his lying tale now praised be heaven cried charlemagne and thanks my trusty ganelon for well hast thou sped at length my wars are done and home to gentle france we ride so the trumpets were sounded and soon the great army with pennons waving and armor glittering in the sunshine was rolling onward through the land like a gleaming mighty river but following the christian army through valleys deep and dark by pathways secret and unknown crept the heathen host they were clad in shining steel from head to foot swords were by their sides lances were in their hands and bitter hatred in their hearts four hundred thousand strong they marched in stealthy silence and alas the franks knew it not when night came the franks encamped upon the plain and high upon the mountain sides in the dark forest the heathen kept watch upon them in the midst of his army king charlemagne lay and as he slept he dreamed he stood alone in the valley of roncesvalles spear in hand there to him came ganelon who seized his spear and broke it in pieces before his eyes and the noise of the breaking was as the noise of thunder in his sleep charlemagne stirred uneasily but he did not wake the vision passed and again he dreamed it seemed to him that he was now in his own city of a suddenly from out a forest a leopard sprang upon him but even as its fangs closed upon his arm a faithful hound came bounding from his hall and fell upon the savage beast with fury fiercely the hound grappled with the leopard snarling and growling they rolled over and over now the hound was uppermost now the leopard tis a splendid fight cried the franks who watched but who should win the emperor knew not for the vision faded and still he slept the night passed and dawn came a thousand trumpets sounded the camp was all astir and the franks made ready once more to march but charlemagne was grave and thoughtful musing on the dream that he had dreamed my knights and barons he said mark well the country through which we pass 
these valleys are steep and straight it would go ill with us did the false saracen forget his oath and fall upon us as we pass to whom therefore shall i trust the rearguard that we may march in surety give the command to my stepson roland there is none so brave as he said ganelon as charlemagne listened he looked at ganelon darkly thou art a very demon he said what rage possesseth thee and if i give command of the rear to roland who then shall lead the van there is ogier the dane said ganelon quickly who better still charlemagne looked darkly at him he would not that roland should hear for well he knew his adventurous spirit but already roland had heard i ought to love thee well sir stepsire he cried for this day hast thou named me for honour i will take good heed that our emperor lose not the least of his men nor charger palfrey nor mule that is not paid for by stroke of sword that know i right well replied ganelon therefore have i named thee then to charlemagne roland returned give me the bow of office sire and let me take command he said but the emperor sat with bowed head in and out of his long white beard he twisted his fingers tears stood in his eyes and he kept silence such was his love for roland and fear lest evil should befall him then spoke duke names give the command unto roland sire there is none better so silently charlemagne held out the bow of office and kneeling roland took it then was ganelon's wicked heart glad nephew said charlemagne half my host i leave with thee nay sire answered roland proudly twenty thousand only shall remain with me the rest of ye may pass onward in all surety for while i live ye have naught to fear then in his heart ganelon laughed so the mighty army passed onward through the vale of roncesvalles without doubt or dread for did not roland the brave guard the rear with him remained oliver his friend turpin the bold archbishop of rheims all the peers and twenty thousand more of the bravest knights of france as the great army wound along the hearts of the men were glad for seven long years they had been far from home and now soon they would see their dear ones again but the emperor rode among them sadly with bowed head his fingers again twined themselves in his long white beard tears once more stood in his eyes beside him rode duke names tell me sire he said what grief oppresseth thee alas said charlemagne by ganelon francis betrayed this night i dreamed i saw him break my lance in twain and this same ganelon it is that puts my nephew in the rearguard and i i have left him in a strange land if he die where shall i find such another it was in vain that duke names tried to comfort the emperor he would not be comforted and all the hearts of the great company were filled with fearful boding dread for roland part three roland's pride meanwhile king marsil was gathering all his host from far and near came the heathen knights all impatient to fight each one eager to have the honor of slaying roland with his own hand each swearing that none of the twelve peers should ever again see france among them was a great champion called chernubel he was huge and ugly 
and his strength was such that he could lift with ease a burden which four mules could scarcely carry his face was inky black his lips thick and hideous and his coarse long hair reached the ground it was said in the land from whence he came the sun never shone the rain never fell and the very stones were black as coal he too swearing that the franks should die and that france should perish joined the heathen host very splendid were the saracens as they moved along in the gleaming sunshine gold and silver shone upon their armor pennons of white and purple floated over them and from a thousand trumpets sounded their battle song to the ears of the frankish knights the sound was borne as they rode through the valley of roncesvalles sir comrade said oliver it seemeth to me there is battle at hand with the saracen foe please heaven it may be so said roland our duty is to hold this post for our emperor let us strike mighty blows that nothing be said or sung of us in scorn let us fight these heathen of our country and our faith as oliver heard the sounds of battle come nearer he climbed to the top of the hill so that he could see far over the country there before him he saw the saracens marching in pride their helmets inlaid with gold gleamed in the sun gaily painted shields hauberks of shining steel spears and pennons waved and shone rank upon rank in countless numbers quickly oliver came down from the hill and went back to the frankish army i have seen the heathen he said to roland never on earth had such a host been gathered they march upon us many hundred thousand strong with shield and spear and sword such battle as awaiteth us have we never fought before let him be accursed who fleeth cried the franks there be few among us who fear death it is ganelon the felon who hath betrayed us said oliver let him be accursed hush thee oliver said roland he is my stepsire let us hear no evil of him the heathen are in fearful force said oliver and our franks are but few friend roland sound upon thy horn then will charlemagne hear and return with all his host to help us for round roland's neck there hung a magic horn of carved ivory if he blew upon this in case of need the sound of it would be carried over hill and dale far far onward if he sounded it now charlemagne would very surely hear and return from his homeward march but roland would not listen to oliver nay he said i should indeed be mad to sound upon my horn if i call for help i roland should lose my fame in all fair france nay i will not sound but i shall strike such blows with my good sword durindal that the blade shall be red to the gold of the hilt our franks too shall strike such blows that the heathen shall rue the day i tell thee they be all dead men o roland friend wind thy horn pleaded oliver to the ear of charlemagne shall the sound be borne and he and all his knights will return to help us now heaven forbid that my kin should ever be pointed at in scorn because of me said roland or that fair france should fall to such dishonour no i will not sound upon my horn but i shall strike such blows with my sword durindal that the blade shall be dyed red in the blood of the heathen in vain oliver implored 
I see no dishonour shouldst thou wind thy horn, he said, for I have beheld the Saracen host. The valleys and the hills and all the plains are covered with them. They are many and great, and we are but a little company. So much the better, cried Roland. My desire to fight them grows the greater. All the angels of heaven forbid that France, through me, should lose one jot of fame. Death is better than dishonour. Let us strike such blows as our emperor loveth to see. Roland was rash as Oliver was wise, but both were knights of wondrous courage, and now Oliver pleaded no more. Look, he cried, look where the heathen come. Thou hast scorned, Roland, to sound thy horn, and our noble men will this day do their last deeds of bravery. Hush, cried Roland, shame to him who weareth a coward's heart. And now Archbishop Turpin spurred his horse to a little hill in front of the army. My lords and barons, cried he, turning to them, Charlemagne has left us here to guard the homeward march of his army. He is our king, and we are bound to die for him, if so need be. But now, before ye fight, confess your sins, and pray God to forgive them. If ye die, ye die as martyrs. In God's great paradise your places await you. Then the Franks leapt from their horses and kneeled upon the ground while the archbishop blessed them and absolved them from all their sins. For penance I command that ye strike the heathen full sore, he said. Then, springing from their knees, the Franks leapt again into their saddles, ready now to fight and die. Friend, said Roland, turning to Oliver, thou wert right. It is Ganelon who is the traitor, but the emperor will avenge us upon him. As for Marcel, he deemeth that he hath bought us, and that Ganelon hath sold us unto him, but he will find it is with our swords that we will pay him. And now the battle began. Monchoir! shouted the Franks. It was the emperor's own battle cry. It means, my joy, and came from the name of his famous sword, Joyeuse, or Joyous. This sword was the most wonderful ever seen, Thirty times a day the shimmering light with which it glows changed. In the gold of the hilt was encased the head of the spear with which the side of Christ had been pierced. And because of this great honour, the emperor called his sword Joyeuse, and from that the Franks took their battle cry, Montjoie. Now shouting it and plunging spurs into their horses' sides, they dashed upon the foe. Never before had been such pride of chivalry such splendour of knightly grace with boasting words king marsil's nephew came riding in front of the battle ho felon franks he cried ye are met at last betrayed and sold are ye by your king this day hath france lost her fair fame and from charlemagne is his right hand torn roland heard him with spur inside and slackened rein he dashed upon the heathen mad with rage through shield and hauberk pierced his spear, and the Saracen fell dead ere his scoffing words were done. Thou dastard! cried Roland. No traitor is Charlemagne, but a right noble king and cavalier. King Marcel's brother, sick at heart to see his nephew fall, rode out with mocking words upon his lips. This day is the honour of France lost, he sneered. But Oliver struck his golden spurs into his steed's side. Caitiff, thy taunts are little worth, and, pierced through the shield and buckler, 
the heathen fell bishop turpin too wielded both sword and lance thy lying coward be silent evermore he cried as a scoffing heathen king fell beneath his blows charlemagne our lord is true and good and no frank shall flee this day mon joie mon joie sounded high above the clang of battle as heathen after heathen was laid low limbs were lopped armor flew in splinters many a heathen knight was cloven from brow to the saddle-bow the plain was strewn with the dying and the dead in roland's hand his lance was shivered to the haft throwing the splintered wood away he drew his famous durindal the naked blade shone in the sun and fell upon the helmet of chernubal marsil's mighty champion the sparkling gems with which it shone were scattered on the grass through cheek and shine through flesh and bone drove the shining steel and chernubal fell upon the ground a black and hideous heap lie there caitiff cried roland thy mahomet cannot save thee not unto such as thou is the victory on through the press rode roland durindal flashed and fell and flashed again and many a heathen bit the dust oliver too did marvellous deeds his spear as roland's was shivered into atoms but scarcely knowing what he did he fought still with the broken shaft and with it brought many a heathen to his death comrade what dost thou said roland is it now the time to fight with staves where is thy sword called hauteclair with its crystal pommel and golden guard i lack time in which to draw it replied oliver there was such need to strike blows fast and hard but now he drew his shining old clare from its scabbard and with it he dealt such blows that roland cried my brother art thou oliver from henceforth ah such blows our emperor would dearly love to see furious and more furious waxed the fight on all sides might be heard the cry of mon joie mon joie and many a blow did frank and heathen give and take but although thousands of saracens lay dead the franks too had lost many of their bravest knights shield and spear banner and pennon broken blood-stained and trampled strewed in the field fiercer wilder still the battle grew roland oliver archbishop turpin and all the twelve peers of france fought in the thickest of the press many of the heathen fled but even in flight they were cut down meanwhile over france burst a fearful storm thunder rolled lightning flashed the very earth shook and trembled there was not a town in all the land but the walls of it were cracked and riven the sky grew black at midday rain and hail in torrents swept the land it is the end of the world the people whispered in trembling fear alas they knew not it was the earth's great mourning for the death of roland which was nigh the battle waxed horrible the saracens fled and the franks pursued till of that great heathen host but one was left of the saracen army which had set out in such splendour four hundred thousand strong one heathen king alone remained and he king marguerite sorely wounded his spear broken his shield pierced and battered fled with the direful news to king marsil the franks had won the day and now mournfully over the plain they moved 
seeking their dead and dying comrades weary men and worn were they sad at the death of so many brother knights yet glad at the might and victory of france end of roland part three